Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. I'm Damian Bulwa. Today on Fifth and Mission, taking stock of a terrible milestone in the coronavirus pandemic. A half a million people have now died in the United States in about the past year. It's a number that represents unfathomable loss, and it comes at another critical time. As our guest today, Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday explains, the Bay Area is seeing really encouraging numbers in the pandemic, but at the same time, there are new virus variants that could stall our progress. Aaron, how are you? I'm doing all right, Damien. Thanks for having me on. So, Aaron, what do you make of 500,000 deaths? It's obviously uh, getting attention because it's a round number, but it is a number that I, I'm not sure that we ever thought we would come close to in the beginning. No, I mean, it's it's weird. I think there were some early early projections that maybe put this number out there in front of people, but, but I don't think any of us could have wrapped our mind around that. I mean, half a million people is just... Um, I, I can't process it. That's so that's so many deaths. Um, and no, I think even if even if we would have seen those sort of worst case projections early on, it just it's it doesn't seem real. Um, and, you know, here we are a year later and, and it is real. I mean, that's 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 the toll. And it's just I think what's really striking to so many of the people I talk to about this is just how you know, unnecessary that was, how much of that death toll is because we've we've made so many mistakes along the way and it, it didn't have to be that way. And it's just um, that's one of the things that's just really remarkable and really awful looking at that number. As you write, Aaron, this is more than the population of the entire city of Oakland. Um, you talk about the mistakes made. Give us give us a sense of that. I mean, looking back, what do we know now about uh, about ways that we could have made sure this number was way less than it is? Well, I think just starting right out of the gate, we didn't take this as seriously as we should. Um, and that was a failure at at kind of all levels. Um, I mean, it was certainly a failure on the part of the Trump administration to not kind of heed the advice of of certain kind of high level, you know, public health folks warning about it. But frankly, I think a lot of people didn't take it, even people who should have known better, um, you know, at kind of all levels of government. Everybody looked at this virus coming up and they thought of SARS back in 2003, which was hardly a factor in this country. And I think they just thought, well, we'll we're in a good place. We'll stomp this out. It's not going to be a problem here. And that message came out for a very long time. And it sort of I think that carried us through those early weeks and months even and just it took us a really long time to to kind of get ourselves together to respond appropriately and really clamp down on this um and and we paid for those early failures the entire way through so you know we saw it in the slow testing rollout we saw it in our hospitals being unprepared early on we saw it in you know public health departments scrambling to figure out you know how to respond and how to message um, to people, even getting people to wear masks, um, all of that stuff was just, you know, we were kind of constantly behind, um, falling behind. And meanwhile, you know, the cases were were climbing up all around us and we hardly knew it. And then and then the death started. Aaron, we're reaching this number at yet another critical time. I, I mean, we've said that before. 
I mean, maybe that's just how it is. Every time is a critical time. But right now, uh, the numbers are looking pretty good. We've got a real opportunity with the vaccine spreading to make some significant progress, right? Yeah, I mean, there's this is a critical time. And like you said, we've said that a few times before, but, um, you know, we're in this we, we have this we're in the space where we can kind of see that finish line. We're getting the vaccinations rolled out. Um, we're, we're spiraling down from this winter surge. We're out of that. That's behind us. We're seeing cases continue to drop. We're finally seeing deaths starting to drop um, and we're getting more and more people vaccinated. So, you know, the potential exists to imagine this near future where, you know, we'll, we'll hit herd immunity and and we'll see a really dramatic change in how we live with this pandemic and with this virus and maybe even put the pandemic to bed finally. Um, you know, you, you can kind of see a path to that sort of for the first time. Um, and that's that's fantastic. Um, but what's, you know, what makes us really critical is we also have these these new variants coming up that are um, you know really concerning that have, have the potential to really upend a lot of the progress that we've made. So I think we should absolutely feel really good and celebrate the fact that that things are looking a lot better and that the vaccinations are getting out there. And I hope that people feel hopeful about that. I know that I do. Um, but you know, as as people keep keep warning the public health folks, you know, it's we can't we can't just kind of let our guard down yet, right? Like we've got to just sort of keep behaving well, even and maybe especially as the weather is so great and people are feeling good and there's all these reasons to feel really, um, really positive that, you know, that doesn't mean we can kind of go back to our old lives just yet. Aaron, I want to ask you about these variants. But first, I mean, the fact that we keep worrying about a new surge every time we get out of a surge, is there something more than just coincidence to this, that this this virus seems to be so resilient and always wanting to bounce back? Um, you know, I don't think it's coincidence. I mean, I think some of this is just we don't know exactly how this virus operates. Um, it definitely seems to be cyclic, right? Like it really appears to like to come in these sort of waves or surges, as we call them. Um, and I don't think we fully, you know, I hear a lot of people kind of throwing out ideas as to why that is. But I don't think we fully understand exactly why that happens. Um, you know, certainly the last one can kind of be explained because we people just misbehaved a lot. They got together a ton for the holidays for Thanksgiving in particular. And so we saw this huge climb in cases. And then it's to be expected that we'd see cases fall because there aren't any real big holidays and gatherings happening right now. Um, we kind of got it out of our systems you know, nobody was really getting together for huge um, family Super Bowl parties or Valentine's Day parties or whatever people might do. So, I mean, that's that's kind of the simplest explanation, but it's probably more complicated than that. And, you know, one thing we should take heart in is, you know, probably the vaccines are starting to have an effect. So probably we're starting to see the cases fall a little bit because more people are getting vaccinated. And certainly this is really exciting to me. I think we will see hospitalizations fall and not climb again because our most vulnerable people, these older adults, are they're getting vaccinated first. So we should see that really pay off um, um, and our hospital numbers not climbing again, even if we do get another surge in cases. It's certainly a very opportunistic virus, it seems, though. Yes. Yes. It will always find a way. Yes. All right, Aaron, let's take a quick break. I want to ask you about the, the California variant, as we've been calling it, and the challenge that represents. More Fifth and Mission right after this. We'll be right back after a short break. You can support Fifth and Mission and the newsroom that creates it by signing up for unlimited Chronicle access at sfchronicle.com slash pod. 
This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome back to Fifth and Mission. I'm Damian Bolwa, joined by Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday. So we want to talk about these variants. Aaron, first give us a little bit of a lay of the land. We, we talk about this one as being California bred. Um, tell us about this variant and, and, and in relationship to the other variants that we are at least watching right now. Yeah. So um, I, I refer to it as California bred because I, I think of born and bred. It wasn't actually born in California. It was first actually, I think, identified in Denmark um, and then popped up a few places globally for, for a while. But it didn't really get a foothold until um, until it got to California um, in kind of around the fall, like late fall. So we're thinking October, November, December, it started really picking up pace in California and then was really first identified um, as as a big spreader, as a big kind of, you know, potential concern in in January because it had just taken over so much. And and what we've seen now, which is really remarkable, is the latest studies that are out are showing it's more than half of cases that are being being analyzed in California are now this new variant. Um, which is just it went from being essentially no cases back in September, October, like just non-existent to being more than half of it in a very short period of time. And that alone is cause for concern. If you look at the the United Kingdom variant that people I think most people are familiar with by now and know that that one is more infectious and has really caused a lot of problems um, in the United Kingdom, that kind of did the same thing where it was kind of a non-player. It wasn't even on anybody's radar. And then all of a sudden it was making up almost all of the cases in the United Kingdom. So just the fact that we're seeing that happen with this California variant is cause for concern. Um, on top of that, we do see, you know, these other kind of global um, concerning variants showing up um, in California and the, and the and the United States. Um, so that includes that UK variant, which is, again, more infectious um, and potentially causes more serious disease. We've also had a couple care- cases of this South African variant um, that may be able to kind of weaken our, our vaccines. Um, that sort of remains to be seen. And then another variant from Brazil, which also seems to to have an effect on our vaccines. So, you know, now I think what we've what we've learned now is we've got the study results, the actual evidence saying that this California variant is, is basically a player. Um, it's you know, it's right in there with those other ones as as potentially um, a cause for for worry. But a, a lot of the worry is around what the mutation is, right? I mean, you you write that these studies are finding that it's actually more contagious and more serious. Yeah. So this is a this is all very preliminary. So I want to be be cautious with people. Um, a lot more study needs to be done on it. But we do have the first evidence now that does say more contagious that um, in, in a small study of, of patients hospitalized who had this particular variant, they were more likely to end up on a ventilator, to end up in intensive care, and they were more likely to die than than groups that did not that were infected with with other versions of the virus. So you know, that's that's not great news. Um, again, we want a lot more evidence. Um, one small study doesn't really 
you know, give us firm answers. It just sort of it, it more kind of says, OK, yeah, this is a problem. Let's let's we need to check this out some more. We need to investigate this further. But, you know, it's it's not what we wanted to hear. And then similarly, they've done small studies that have found that this California variant, again, doesn't seem to respond as well to our immune response, both um, by vaccines and by kind of natural infection. So that that, that means that it's possible that the vaccines will be somewhat weakened against this variant. Um, and it's also opens the door to being reinfected with this variant. Um, again, just like with the the more severity of disease aspect, um, we need to do a lot more research on this. These are very small studies, very preliminary. Um, I want to I, I want to advise people, and I've been told this repeatedly, you know, that the vaccines, as far as we know, are still effective against really all of these variants. Um, saying that it's it weakens the vaccine response doesn't mean that it nulls the vaccine response. And the vaccines may be actually... The, the vaccines we have are so strong and so powerful that even a weakened version may be perfectly capable of of dealing with the virus in, you know, anybody who gets infected. So it may be kind of a non-issue. We just kind of, you know, we have to we have to look at this closely and we have to see what that means. And when you say potentially more contagious, does that mean that a person has the virus for longer and, and, and it means that the time in which they might uh, give it off to someone else is longer? Or does that actually mean that if I, you know, I'm six feet away from you now, I, I might give it to you if I'm nine feet away from you? Or does it actually take less of the virus in, in droplets and things like that? Uh, we don't really know the answer to that yet. I will say the latter is does not seem to really be the case um, in the UK version, which again, seems to be more serious and more infectious. Um, there is some early study that says it's because people are infected longer. So that may, in fact, be a factor. Uh, very good point, Damien. Um, in the in the California variant, they did find that people infected with that variant had a higher concentration of virus um, in samples that were taken. So maybe it's just more concentrated, which could mean that you're kind of when you infect somebody else, you're giving them a higher dose of virus, which could lead to it being more infectious or causing more serious disease. Um, but again, these are just at this point, that's almost like circumstantial, right? Like they're finding these things in the lab and they're intriguing, but they can't necessarily say that that point A equals point B. You know, a lot of people now are are starting to go back to certain aspects of life. There's been stories about, uh, obviously, there's school reopenings, but there's also some sports that are restarting. There's some thought of, of indoor dining on the horizon. What's the conversation going to be uh, now around reopening, given where we are? I mean, is does it is it just a matter of the numbers, or is the are the variants going to factor into to how we can reopen? I think that's, a, to me, that's a really, really important question. And I asked several people about that. And the answer so far is kind of wait and see. Um, I think the thinking is that the folks I talk to in public health are really glad that they're getting this information, that they're aware that these variants are here and that they could be cause for problems, because it just means that they're going to take their numbers like all that much more seriously, which they already do. They already pay super close attention, but I think now even more so. And, you know, nobody nobody in public health has said this to me yet, but a lot of the infectious disease experts do, which is, you know, that, that it, it probably will be a factor. Um, it'll probably make people be a little bit more cautious. Um, and especially with us being so close to the finish line, right? Like, we're so close to being out of this that 
in a way that sort of might alleviate some of the pressure to move faster with reopening. Because if we can just kind of hang on and prevent another surge from happening and get way more people vaccinated, then, you know, we can we can really make some progress and we could see a huge, I mean, really dramatic effect on our lives um, by the end of summer if if we can really avoid that next surge Um and, you know, move ahead. And so I think that I think that there is probably going to be a degree of caution that comes from seeing these these variants emerge. Um, and I will say that, the like I said, the UK variant had um, it really slowed things down in the U- in, in the United Kingdom. I mean, it made them lock down further. It made them it, it definitely fueled a huge surge there. So, you know, that's not something that we want. Obviously, we don't want to see that happen here. And I think that they're going to be very cautious, especially as we go through this reopening process to not let that happen. But Aaron, the hope is that hitting 500,000, that we have, though, seen the worst of it, right? That we're not going to see these giant numbers in the future and that hopefully... We will there will be deaths, but we'll see much smaller numbers moving forward. Yeah, and I think that's a totally reasonable hope. And I think people should absolutely hang on to that because I think as we talked about, these vaccines are so great. Um, and they're really, really good at preventing hospitalization. And they're even better at preventing death. I think in all the studies they've done in the, of these vaccines that we have in the United States, there have been no deaths um um among people who are vaccinated from COVID nineteen. So you know, I mean, that's huge, right? So even like, even if this variant um, blows up in California, and we get another surge, even if there's some resistance to the vaccines, and let's say just things are really not looking great, we're, we're not going to see the deaths and the hospitalizations that we saw before. I think the the concern there is that we see these variants so far. And, you know, there's potential for more to emerge. There's there certainly is potential for things to go wrong, and much more dangerous variants to come out. Um, you know, for you could even get like a merging of two variants that are problematic, but in different ways. And they, they combine into one kind of super variant that, um, that is, is really problematic. And I mean, that's something that, you know, the infectious disease experts I talk to, they talk about that and they think about that. It's not likely to happen, but you know, this pandemic has been full of surprises. So I think, you know, for me, one lesson I have is, is I don't take anything for granted. Um, and I, I try to have reservations, um, you know, about where we're headed, but to me, things look, they do look really good in terms of preventing, like you said, that that huge kind of, you know, spike in deaths and spike in really serious illness that that we've seen in the past. All right. Well, let's end it there, Aaron. Thanks for joining me again. Thanks for having me, Damien. Thanks to my guest today, Chronicle Health reporter Aaron Alday, to King Kaufman for producing this episode. And thank you for listening. 